Hi, everyone. Uh, I would like you to meet Dave Hansen, president of Client Tether. Um, Dave, welcome to the call. Yeah, thanks a lot, Lance. Glad to be here with you. So, Dave, for people who uh, aren't familiar with Client Tether, can you tell us a little bit about what you guys do? Yeah, th yeah, of course. Uh, thanks for having me, Lance. So, Client Tether is a sales automation platform that was built by franchisors for the franchising industry. Uh, we 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 are a CRM tool. Uh, most CRMs are built backwards for franchising. They don't support multi-unit. They don't. They have the wrong data structure for the contacts. You know, leads breaking into contacts accounts, opportunities, like five different data tables, complexity. Ours, our, our dev mantra is: if a dumb painter can't use it, don't build it. So. The user, the UI is simple to adopt. Uh, it has automation tools built in to engage leads rapidly across text, call, email. You can put a box of brownies in the mail for you, send handwritten notes. It's it's a pretty robust platform, um, more robust than anything I'd used in 15 years of managing sales teams in corporate America, which caught me off guard uh, when when I found when I was chatting with the founder and and he told me about the platform. So that's that's kind of in a nutshell, Friendev. We're the fastest growing and top rated tool in franchise development for franchise brands, FSOs, consultants. And uh, we are, again, top rated uh, and, and very fast growing platform for unit level operations, which is what we were originally built for eight and a half years ago. I guess what I was, was going to ask you is I just want to switch and ask you a little more content questions. I know we talked about um, lead follow-up. Like that was one of the big things that people have because, I mean, sales is oxygen, right? Um, and you were going to go through lead follow-up with lead engagement and follow-up. So I'd love to start by talking about that, Dave. Oh, please. Yeah. Well, tell me what you'd like to know. How can I help you with that? Well, I mean, uh, you as the expert had uh, just had some really good stuff on it. And so I just want to see if we were going to walk people through a process, uh, what would that be? Like what, what best practices and things that you've learned about engagement and conversion when it can't, comes to that? Yeah, let's let's talk about it. And and I'll bring up chat GPT because everyone's hot on that topic, but you want to automate what should be automated, right? <clears throat> uh, there are tools out there. I mean, they're, 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 I respect the heck out of them, but there are tools like Lumen AI and some tools that have tried to automate the whole initial engagement process and then the rest of the sales process with chatbots communicating with people. Talk to a salesperson that uses that. They, they just don't work well. So you want to automate what you should automate. Then you want to, as soon as, as soon as the automation has done its job, in an ideal world, you want to be extremely fast to communicate with the lead. Uh, that's key. Speed to lead has never gone away. It doesn't make people mad. If I feel if I put, take the time to put my personal information in a form because I want to know more about what you got, I expect you to get back to me faster today than I did five years ago. And that 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 time frame is going to continue to get smaller as people are getting instantaneous data everywhere. If, if I have to, you know, you were having internet issues earlier today, I'm tapping my toe if I don't have you know, 40 megabits per second download speeds, right? It's so just bear in mind that in the world has shifted. There's a, there's a there's an expectation that you get in touch fast. And also there's an expectation you get in touch in a medium that's going to be useful or helpful for that person. So by age, it changes like younger folks, let's say 35 and younger, you better be texting and or if you're young. You, know, you also want to stay in platform. So if you're doing Facebook lead, lead gen, you want the form to be in Facebook so you can maximize the number of people that convert because they were on that platform in the first place. Don't immediately try to pull them out of platform to get them to a lead form on your website. That's marketing strategy, not sales, but you're going to maximize your lead flow. Then you want to immediately engage those folks with, with phone calls, with texts, with emails. 
And uh, the reason why I recommend all three as soon as you can is because different people respond differently to different uh, channels. And so most platforms can automate email drips. Guess what? It's the worst. Uh, it's the lowest conversion rate, lowest engagement rate. You can make it better with video, but you, it's not great. So don't don't rely upon your your 2003 technology of email drips. Like that's been around forever, and and it feel, people's inboxes are cluttered. So, but use it to support the rest of the process. When you synergize, let's say I need to send a document, follow up with a text after I've sent the email. Say, hey, don't check your inbox. I just sent you that quote. But a lot of people, I can't remember what number, like maybe a quarter of all quotes that get sent out just never get read because they went to a spam folder or somebody missed the email. But if I send a text two minutes at, two minutes after I send the, the email with the, the link to the proposal, or heck, in our platform, text the proposal link. But you know, if I follow up with that, the likelihood of that the email getting read goes up tremendously. Uh, so in the follow-up process of leads, multi-channel, use nurturing. You have to nurture because you're even as good as our platform is, you're not going to immediately book everyone. Uh, highest conversion rate I've seen across our whole system is like 91% of all leads get scheduled. That's ridiculously high out of thousands and thousands of users. That's the top dog. And a lot of his, and, and there's a long story there, but he's killing it. Uh, for franchise systems that rely upon, um, let's say like Angie Thumbtack, more portals or you know a lot of digital, I see numbers as high as like 65, 75% conversion rate into booked appointments because they're following the, the roadmap, the, the plan of automation, quick to, you know, speed to lead, and then then nurturing. So I'd say for lead follow-up, th those are the key things. If you're not doing those, you're happy to coach you a little bit, even if you're not a client of mine, but you need to fix it because you're wasting money. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that what you said too about the texting I forget the numbers. Isn't it something like the average text is read within three minutes or something like that? It's incredibly yeah. high and people see their phone. They may not check their email or see their email, but you're I have not seen a uh, spam folder for text messages. So, um, <laughs> yeah, there, there, there is you know? like Androids have one. I think Apple does too. They're blocked. They call them kind of spam or blocked, but it's very small and they're known offenders. Those are the only people that go in there. So, yeah, it's 90% of all texts read in two minutes, two to three minutes. And mm -hmm. uh, depending on the demographic, that number is even higher, right? You know, between, let's say, 35 and 15, you know, 15 year olds mm -hmm. every text within five seconds. So, you know, it's just gonna, that number is just going to, again, it's going to shrink. Now, <clears throat> there's more regulation around texting, right? TCPA, things like that. So, um, our platform keeps you compliant. You know, as long as you've got a good opt in statement, then, you know, everything else is, is pretty much automated on our end. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that that that's a, a, a big deal because I was looking at uh, exploring insurance mm -hmm. and, and uh, I thought I was going to get a call from one person, but I got a call from like seven people that work for that company. And, uh, and they were all lighting up my phone and one guy texted me mm -hmm. and I texted him back and he texted me back. And I started working with that guy, uh -huh. the guy that didn't call me, didn't blow up my phone, but just texted me because, mm -hmm. you know, it worked in my schedule and it wasn't annoying. And so it's like having that, what you say, adding this thing in, you're going to find with each client what works for them. Some people call them right away. They'll respond to the phone call. Some will respond to the text. Some will respond to the email. And yeah. I really think it makes sense to stay within platform because you know that they're using that that it's familiar and they understand how to use it and they're 
currently using it and all that. Well, very good. What about, um, what do you have uh, for uh, talking to people about um, proposal and quote follow-up? Because, you know, here we have the leads, but what about proposals and quotes? Because that's where it starts to uh, get real and uh, turn into what is a deal. Yeah, there, there are three places. I'm glad you brought that up. Three places in the in the sales process, like the three buckets where people fail the most. Franchise, friend, dev, doesn't matter. Every, every, every sales process, high-end systems management software, same problem. Initial leading conversion is problem number one. It's the biggest one. It's your biggest hole in the bucket where you got money just dumping out of your business. Number two, though, is proposals and quotes. So you just spent all that money and time to get to their house and do a quote. You drove there. Maybe it was a half an hour drive, half an hour back. So an hour of just killed human capital, an hour on site, two hours of invested time in this person, plus all the follow-up before to get there. That's an expensive moment for your business. And then your person spends, you know, in our platform, three minutes, but doesn't matter. You build a proposal, more human capital, and you show it to them and they want to look at it. They want to think about it, right? Most businesses, and you can pretend like this is wrong. Most of you will be like, yeah, it's actually kind of true for us too. They don't follow up effectively once they've delivered the quote. They're on to the next shiny object. They've only got one estimator and he's busy all day in, in estimates, you know, driving around doing it quotes. And there isn't a follow-up process. So that's a key drop-off point. We see a lot of businesses that are just losing money that they could easily scoop up and put in their pocket is not following up effectively. So how do you do it? You know, send them a quote. There should be an immediate text within probably within a minute or two of you sending the email or frankly, in our platform, deliver the, the, the proposal via the text as well. Because a lot of people, they just want to tap on that on their phone and look at it uh, while they're in a boardroom meeting and they're bored. That's why they call them boardroom meetings. But anyway, mm -hmm. it, but that that's key. But you want to nurture more than that. You want to have a, an email the next day set you and it's all value touches. It's not, would you get the quote? Just following up. If you use the word just, uh, as you're reaching out to your customers, you should shoot yourself because it's like a red flag where people are like, okay, sales guy, he has no value to give. But if every time you touch them, send them an email, send them a text, call them three days later, send them another text four days later, send them an email seven days after, you know, like you should have a whole sequence to follow up with a bid and a quote. And it should probably be, look at your buying cycle. If you say, Dave, people make a decision to replace a roof within three weeks then you should have a three-week follow-up cycle once you've delivered that quote because you'll know at that point they've probably decided to go with somebody else. You might even have your first step, if you go through that nurturing sequence of the proposal, you should have it pushed to another one that goes into a, hey, if you didn't buy from me, hey, it looks like you're, you might've gone with somebody else. Uh, you know, let me know if you still need some help. Uh, and that's your next touch in the, the long-term follow-up sequence where you still, for 12 months, nurture them, give them tips, Share advice about roof maintenance if you're a roofing company, whatever you're an expert at. That'll help you close more deals and keep them warm, even if they realize they can't afford your services. Then when they are ready, they're not going to Google roofer. They're just going to call you because you were the guy that stayed in touch with them for the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. That makes total sense. I really, you know, gosh, I know we're running out of time, but I have a couple of questions. Yeah, um, sure. One would be, you know, uh, language is important right we we communicate with words and so i was thinking about retaining and engaging with people mm -hmm. and not only the processes of that but what are kind of the words and and languaging that you've seen so when you're sending a text you're sending an email and you're making a phone call that is all an accumulation of words what are the uh 
what are the things that are really working to connect with people in general? Yeah, so let's talk about medium appropriate communication. So we've all gotten the text message from like our grandma or or an aging relative that's like five paragraphs long. That's a text that nobody wants to read. Businesses tend to violate that rule all the time. It's like this unwritten rule that it should be as short and brief as possible. You're not going to say, hello, Stephen. I have always wanted to meet with you. You're going to be like, hey, Steve, I've wanted to meet with you. Or, hey, Steve, let's set up some time. So the, when you're texting, the tone should be a little more casual and familiar, almost like you're texting one of your, maybe not an old college buddy. We're not going to use frat house or locker room language, but like it's going to be, don't abbreviate everything, but make it more familiar, abbreviate words, use contractions, like stuff like that. Uh, make it, and don't say the dang word, hello. That's like a marketing word. And as soon as I see an email with hello in front of it, I'm like, delete. Like, I, I know. Uh, so that's a big one. Keep it familiar and, and pleasant and friendly. Uh, emails, you want to have a similar tone, but maybe you can be a little more formal. I, I don't think you need to be. In home services, friend of, nobody wants to talk to a stiff. So relax. Keep it brief in text. Usually about under 300 characters uh, is my recommendation for all texts. Uh, if you can keep it under 150, even better. Your response rate will go up a little. Actually, if it's a little shorter to the point, um, emails, uh, you want to use video. and But also, you want to use, don't, don't ever say I'm following up. Every message you send, either whether text or email, you should be giving value. So send them something that, let me give you an example. You'll say something like, hey, many of our customers have had questions about how to keep their windows clean after we stop by. Here are two tips you might want to know. Use your old newspapers, use, you know, use Windex, like whatever, right? Like, Whatever you're an expert at, you want to put your expertise on display every single email without being salesy because people don't want to be pushed. They want to they want to they want to pull themselves into the deal. Give them a reason to want to do that by helping them trust you. Right. Answering uh, any objections they might have before they're voiced or come up, because if you can answer their objections in a video, then they don't have to hold on to that and get worked up about it. And they also don't have to feel uncomfortable about asking you. So then you, you've cleared that out of the way if they've watched that, you know, and, and that's a great thing to handle in those follow-up sequences for sure. And, and another thing I think is if you teach people something they didn't know that they didn't know, they've now learned something and now they're paying attention to you, especially if whatever they learn is a value to them, you know? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, and you're the expert, right? If you're a roofer, a plumber, whatever, like, you know, a lot of stuff that they don't know. Uh, your, your comment, I was smiling big because I was just training someone this weekend on find that what are the top five objections that people have to buy in your service, the top five fears. And you should have a step that addresses each one of those in your nurturing sequence. Because by the time they're done going through those, if they're opening those messages or reading what you send them, they're probably going to increase their likelihood to buy by double digit percentages just because you've eliminated these subconscious fears that they might not have even known they had. But when you service them like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there's financing options. Good. I don't have to get a second mortgage on my house right now. Like I can actually afford this. That's I, I, that's really, really smart. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, I know we're running out of time, Dave, but I just want to thank you for joining me. And I want to encourage everybody, um, go check out the link next to this video and uh, reach out to Dave at Client Tether and uh, see where that goes. Because, you know, it, it just seems like it's it's really very automated. And uh, when we've talked behind the scenes and here, um, you're always learning. And it seems like you're putting what you learn into the program to simplify it. Because 
some people, as they continue to evolve and improve, they add on to versus condense and simplify with new functionality. So you don't want to make something so big and cumbersome. You have the Titanic that can't do anything, but as you want to make it better and more intuitive and simple so that people can actually work, mm, you know, yeah, and thank use you. it. I appreciate it. We, that's, we, we spent a lot of time. We listened to the market. I wish I could say we were the geniuses, but the geniuses that drive a lot of our innovation are you guys, the people that use the platform say, hey, what if, what if, and we love that. But always in the back of our minds, okay, but how do we make it usable, right? How do we make that simple? How do we make it so 95% of all franchisees could deploy that resource and not not get lost? Like it, it's, it's tough, honestly, balancing those things. But thanks for uh, the shout out on that because we've been working hard at that. Absolutely. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, thanks a lot, Lance.